Welcome to episode 178 of the Left Behind Game Club. This week, we continue our two-part Final Fantasy VII Remake series. Let's get right into it. You're listening to the Left Behind Game Club. Welcome to the Left Behind Game Club, our never-ending attempt to make sure that no game is left behind. I'm your host, Jacob McCord, and today I have three friends with me. The first friend, you know her, you love her. Her name is Flora Marigold. Oh, sorry, I was restocking my materia. (laughs) I thought I'd get you, but I didn't. You're always there with the quips. I appreciate it. Thank you for coming. Yeah, thanks for having me. Katie, Lesperance is our friend number two. Hello. Hello. I'm back. We're going to talk about more things. She's back uh, and to talk about the story of Final Fantasy VII Remake uh, on the show for technically the fourth time now, but really like his third time. Uh, he's the host of the Trophy Room. He is the program coordinator and co-founder of 6-1 Indie. Uh, he works for Vicarious PR. Kyle Stevenson, welcome back to the show. Let's mosey. Glad Let's to be here. Let's mosey indeed. Uh, Last episode, if you haven't listened to it yet, episode 177, we talked about everything but the story of Final Fantasy VII Remake, and today we're going to talk about the story of Final Fantasy VII Remake. So, if you haven't listened to that, go back and listen to it, because on this one, no spoilers in in part one, full spoilers in part two. We are going to spoil the entirety of the story, but for those who have not played the OG game, we are going to be careful about story spoilers for what is to come in the trilogy. Hey, quick editor's note, I know that we said that we weren't going to do spoilers about the OG Final Fantasy VII, but you will see as we go through the episode, it becomes more and more necessary to do that. So, uh, Kyle is going to spoil parts of the OG Final Fantasy VII game, uh, but we'll try to provide you a little bit of notice that a spoiler is coming before it comes. Thanks. I talked about terrorism in part one. Can we start with the child terrorism? <laughs> They're not children. I don't know why you keep calling them children. They're child young adults. They're adults. Like, they're adults. They can make their own decisions. They're young adults. They can do They would be adults. tried as adults in court. Yes, they would be. <laughs> Shinra would try them as adults. Oh, they would. They would. To Cloud- be fair, I think Shinra would also try children. That, yeah, that's well, a good point. I feel like they would do There's that. There's no I, yeah, I would- discerning between that. Absolutely. Something tells me Shinra might not even go as far as the trial portion mm. of things. I, th- mm-hmm. I think we might have like a mech take them out ahead of time. And, you know, we never heard about that incident. Mm-hmm. Cloud, Barrett, Jesse, Biggs, Wedge uh, go and their their task is to make Reactor 1 uh, go boom in Sector 1. Um, they do. And that's sort of when like things start to not go their way. If I'm remembering correctly, just to set it up, is it Je- Jesse is the explosions expert, and mm-hmm. she is the one that sets the explosives, and it sort of explodes better than she thought it was going to, correct? Or is that for the mm-hmm. second explosion? Mm-hmm. Kinda. It's Kyle. Help me. So Throw me a life raft. Uh, so you're right. Jesse is the uh, explosions expert. She made the bomb. Barrett and Cloud go put it in the reactor. They set the time, whatever. Um, but after that battle, and this is where it deviates a little bit from the OG game that we don't really see, um, the robots of the facility actually make the explosion go bigger and take out the reactor themselves. In the OG, it just the bomb went off, and we are none to the wiser of 
we just assume that's what the bomb does in this remake it, it it seems like shinra wants to make it more of a big bigger deal so a lot of that damage is because shinra kind of pushed it overboard that's when you take the train and make your way to sector seven for the first time uh and in those slums you go and check out seven heaven and i want to hear from my players who have sort of experienced the ps1 game but like I loved that bar so much. I could just see it being filled with all the villagers just enjoying some darts and some beers, and it felt lived in a way that I lived in in a way that I appreciate it. They even got the eggs and chip sign from the OG game in there. Oh, that was such a brought a tear to my eye. Seventh Heaven's awesome. Were you Down disappointed to the arcade to not, machine? Were you disappointed to not be able to descend underneath Seventh Heaven? Maybe a little bit, but okay. it, it wasn't like crazy. I don't necessarily have any nostalgia for the original Seventh Heaven, but the design of this one definitely feels like it didn't want to intrude too much upon the original design. Like, um, I don't necessarily get the, like, I can feel the villagers all piling in there thing. Like, it's very, like, lightly packed. It feels very sparsely attended. And I think that kind of adds to the charm for me as well. It's interesting that we could both read that different ways. Uh, I skipped over something very important, um, which is new for the remake. Um, Sephiroth is introduced very early in this game. And the way he's introduced, at first I didn't know it was happening. And I was like, oh, they're introducing Sephiroth. We're doing this. He's not introduced until very late in the series or very late in the in the OG game, right? Kyle's not Still in Midgar. Still in Midgar, but not that early in the game. Okay. Did everyone else think it was badass? Okay. I, okay, I thought it was... Go, Katie, it was, go. It was, def- it was badass. Absolutely. Um, it, I feel like it made it too convoluted in a way where I understand that they're, they are laying seeds for, um, this like alternate timeline. Things aren't quite what they seem. Uh, Cloud is seeing things and everyone else is like, what's going on? And it's this like surreal layer is happening, but like presenting Sephiroth as someone who has not played the original, I was like, okay, he's cool. Cloud and him have history. Um, I'm assuming they were like soldiers together. They're in the war together. I don't know. They know each other in some way. But it was, it was, um, there was so much importance placed on it. And they never really told me why. And I played the entire game. And I'm like, what, who, who exactly is Sephiroth? What's the motivation? Um, What is their relationship? To the point that it's not mysterious, it's just frustrating. And then, I'm like, and then other characters don't see Sephiroth, but then later, and near the end of the game, they're like, oh, that guy's here again. I'm like, wait, so you could see him? You know, what? who knows what and what is happening? And I don't know anything. And they didn't give me enough inter- information to care about Sephiroth other than just being like, look at him. He looks cool, right? And Cloud's really affected by him. And I'm like, all right, but... I needed a little bit more, especially when you tease it throughout the whole game. Like I just, it it was confusing and I don't, it felt like it should be more meaningful to me than it was. It's, it's part of uh, another issue just with the game in general, where I feel like it was very tailored to people who played the original and there were, wasn't enough introduction for people who hadn't, which for a game that came out so long ago, I thought that they would... And I don't need a lot. Like, you can leave a lot of things to mystery and, like, it, it's going to be in the second game or the third game. That's fine. But I just need a little bit, just something for me to just understand what's going on. 
So I don't know. Sephiroth, I'm like, I don't know how I feel yet because I don't know anything about him, even though we've we've seen him a lot. We fight him and I don't know why. <laughs> it's the guy from Smash Brothers. Yeah, he <laughs> killed Mario. That was a big deal. <laughs> he was in Kingdom Hearts, too. It's wild. Yes. I, I mean, you're, you're, you're not wrong, Katie. I definitely think that moment is there for fans of the OG game and only for them as a way to kind of throw a curveball is like... Yeah, no, this is not going to be beat by beat, um, scene by scene kind of replay of the original. Um, I geeked out when I saw it just because I was like, oh, this is new. And when you hear the music, which we didn't really touch on in the the other episode, but man, the music in this game is legendary. Um, but when you hear the his Sephiroth theme and then you, you follow and that whole scene plays out, I was like, oh, man. This is this is this is going to be good. So I don't really have a developed sense of Sephiroth's character, having never finished the original Final Fantasy VII. Um, I I know like he's one of the most well-known video game characters of all time, but I don't know much more than that. And so um, I recognized him, of course, in the introduction to this this game, but um, I read it more as like Cloud having sort of like PTSD flashbacks, and like this just being more like it almost doesn't matter who is showing up in the scene it could be Sephiroth it could be anybody um the thing that me as the player I think I'm like when I'm playing this for the first time at least what I'm thinking about is like okay well my protagonist is dealing with a lot of stuff right now and I just need to recognize that he's not stable and it doesn't really matter what the specifics are um I agree with Katie though that like by the end of this game I don't really know that the game tells me anything about Sephiroth (laughs) Um, and I do think that's a a giant like interrobang that maybe I would like to be clearer right now yeah to be clear my issue isn't with that initial Sephiroth introduction scene I thought it was really really cool but then by the end of the game I'm like I'm not any further with that character yeah I'm a I'm a well-documented dumbass when it comes to <laughs> stories and games. But I wouldn't say it's nothing. And maybe I completely misinterpreted this, but part of me thinks that he's tied somehow to Genova um, that was sort of talked about in the game. I could be totally off-base or wrong there. Ding, um, ding, ding. Great. Uh, but why does Cloud continue to have this like static thing affect his mind? Is it because he also is tied to Genova? Maybe a th- maybe a thing, but Katie, I will give you that that like until very late in the game, you know nothing about Sephiroth except you got big sword. That's it. That's all you know. Also, good hair, big sword. Good hair, big sword. Also, never said anything aside from very um, like fortune cookie uh, statements that didn't mean anything and i'm like am i supposed to care about what he's saying or not and i'm like maybe players of the original game are like oh that sentence is referring to this but as a new player i don't care i'm like say something to someone meaningful that has like some kind of basis in what's happening or your relationship instead of just like these meaningless sentences that are nothing i'm like i can't i can't get emotionally involved in this because you're not giving me anything I just need a little bit. I don't need much. Just a little. Here comes a spoiler for Final Fantasy VII. Uh, I'll just come right out and say yeah. it. What it. Let's skip to the end, right? Okay. This would be. This is a, a, a spoiler for a remake and a little bit of a 
Spoiler for where we're going. Okay. Um, what if I told you that the Sephiroth in this game is the Sephiroth from the OG game? Like, the character taken from that and put into Remake. The same Sephiroth that's in Advent Children. And that's the version we are getting in the retelling of the Midgar story. Who knows what the endgame is already going to be? And so that is why he is showing up early on to torment Cloud, to already plant the seeds of doubt, and how he just pops up every once in a while because he already knows what's going to happen. He he he's kind of weaving, he's kind of moving the players into where he wants them to be, so that he could maybe make one tiny little change, so that I mean the game, all video games end this way. The good guys win in the OG one. But, like, maybe this one little change will make him win this time. And he's, like, all-knowing in, in this remake, part one. So th- that's kind of why they're, he's still mysterious, and it's kind of hard to pick up on that. And I didn't realize that until the end of the game, and as a fan of the series, I kind of connected the dots. But as a newcomer, yeah, no, you're completely lost. You just know Sephiroth looks cool. He's got a cool theme song, Big Sword. And, and you're not wrong. Good hair, don't forget. Um, great hair that sounds awesome um, uh, uh, yeah like that that whole face off in the cosmos near the end where clouds um uh final limit break uh i think it's called omni slash which is like in the og game is the best limit break you can get and in the og one that is what you use to kill sephiroth in that cosmo scene sephiroth blocks it because he knows what the move is. That's cool. And that's kind of how they're kind of tweaking it a little bit, and I feel like they're just kind of open up those floodgates in in the next one. So everyone can kind of, like, understand a little bit more, and we're recording this after the Rebirth demo is out, which the Rebirth demo is a flashback scene that happens right after the Midgar part, which goes into the Sephiroth backstory. So new players will understand it a little bit more of who that character is. But yeah, first first little taste of remake, Sephiroth is just a cool villain. That's pretty much it. It kind of Still stinks. convoluted. It kind of <laughs> stinks that it takes a 35-hour game to realize that like I don't have all the context. Well, I mean, you know you you're don't not, have the context from the start. Because it's it's all mystery, right? And clouds reacting, yeah. and they're not telling you why. Like I know it's mysterious, and I know that I'm I don't have all the information. And again, I'm okay with not having all the information and like being teased along and like, oh, you'll figure this out down the road. We're just planting seeds right now. But again, I just need you to give me something so that I am emotionally invested as a new player. Because that sounds awesome for someone who's played it before and has experience with the game. And I I want to have like a little bit of that, even if it's just a base of like, this is Sephiroth, this is why I care. Um, yeah, he he just wasn't that interesting aside from looking cool. And I thought he would be way more interesting to me. Does he talk a lot in the OG game? You, whenever you run into him, he goes on his villain, like... Soliloquies. So he's saying what time. he's what he's doing and what he wants and what it, and, yeah, and he has motivations yeah. that he's telling you. Absolutely. That would be nice. 
Mm-hmm. Okay. <sighs> okay, we, we went to we went to the end, <laughs> and now I my mind is blown. Yeah. Uh, well, do you want me to keep blowing your mind for for one oh, more yeah. second? Yeah. Yeah. Please, Kyle Stevenson. How, I want to know how everyone feels about these uh, ghost-like beings again that interrupt you at all time. The whispers. Yeah. What What do you think's going on with I'll, them? I'll hold off. Somebody else. No, I want. I want to go. I, I think no, Flora should. Should I go? Because I have less go context. Go ahead. And then help me out. I think the whispers are. I think Shinra is messing up the planet in a way that can't let people return to the planet, and the whispers are like the the Mako is plugged, and instead of returning to the Earth, whispers are humans that can't return to the Earth. Like, okay, yeah. I, okay. I, okay. I'm on board with that. Am I two for two? Holy moly! What he is did, this? He did not say that. Yeah. He didn't say that. He said okay, and and nodded, and just kind of like sat back from his microphone. He didn't Kyle, say you're right, Jacob. Valiant effort. Valiant you teachered me so hard there. Good effort. Okay. Good Someone job. Else? Good effort, Flora. That's so much more sophisticated than any theory I might be able to advance. That I'm just going to retreat into my doghouse for a second. Um, I. As far as the whispers go and their role in it, like I, I think very surface level, like this is just the creators moving their god hand with the original source material and just saying, deal with it, player. Um, and like the characters are then like reacting to it in like a breaking the fourth wall sort of manner. Um, that's that's all I've read into it. I haven't thought about like actually how the whispers tie in to the, like the world that these characters are inhabiting. Um it's so overtly like we're changing the narrative of the original game that that's as like I didn't choose to read any deeper into it until now. I don't know what the whispers do and I don't know what they're there for, but uh, they look cool and they made for some cool scenes. When the, the end, when they're all uh, zipping around the mm-hmm. tower, I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, that that looks cool. Like a lot of this game, I'm like that looks cool. <laughs> I don't know what it is yeah. or what it means or what's happening, but it looks cool. Yeah. Yeah. So the whispers are affectionately called by from a lot of fans of this game as the plot ghost. They are there to make sure that the OG story is being told in the way that it was in the first game. Oh, that's cool. And and the way that developers use it in this one is they the whispers are like this is where Flora was right where it's a little bit of a meta break, a fourth wall break where the whispers are all the fans of the original game making sure that the story is told from how they remember it. And it's a true remake kind of way, but it's also tied to they only show up because there is a Sephiroth that isn't from this timeline and they want to make sure that the story still hits what is supposed to happen in the OG game. And that's their existence is because there's a virus in the system and that virus is Sephiroth. And so when the whispers or Placos like prevent um, cloud and I think it's Tifa from like right outside seventh heaven, like that fight, like you have to fight a bunch of whispers instead of I forget you have to meet up with Jesse and Biggs or whatever. They force you to fight them, so Jesse and Biggs and Wedge I think are overwhelmed and Jesse hurts her ankle to force you to go on her mission. 
and force her to experience other things that the OG game had. So they're very much kind of steering the story into what it should be in the timeline, a set timeline of, all right, you got to hit this beat, you got to hit this beat, you got to hit this beat. And then at the end where you defeat them is like, okay, from here on forward, it's, it might be completely different, which is exciting from OG fans. Like, which is why I said it's the best remake. That's not a remake. Cause it's like, they're playing with that term a whole lot, a lot loosey goosey here. So did they also save Barrett? They did. Okay. Absolutely. <laughs> he was not supposed to die. Right. Oh, um, snap. Yeah, because Sephiroth stabs him, and then, but then the spirits yeah. are there, and then you're like, oh, yep. oh, oh. And also, and, time and I was going to rage if Barrett died. I was like, you're joking. <laughs> you're actually kidding. Also, but no, the spirits that's a That's a good point, because there is still some variations where Wedge was supposed to die when the plate fell. fell. In the OG, he's dead. <gasps> he doesn't come back and help for a little bit. But what happens? The Whispers make sure he still died in this remake like that was it Biggs however also supposed to die in the OG that is where when the they destroyed the whispers at the end mm-hmm. now the timeline has converged and now we still have Biggs for some reason that is where I'm like huh that's weird that's strange yeah because yeah, all three seem, of them are supposed to die Biggs did not seem important that was okay that's this is nice because yeah. I was like oh everyone's dead except then it was like no just kidding none of them are dead I was like what that what's the significance of that? like it felt weird that we like said goodbye to Biggs mm-hmm. and we're like oh he's dead and then it was like just kidding yeah. he's not so that has more significance if you play the OG whereas to me it just felt wishy-washy yes. like it just felt like mm-hmm. they're having this big emotional moment and then just wiping it away um and yeah I, d- I didn't really get why we even did it also multiple times with yeah. Jesse too but see that's cool if you've played the o- the OG, this is kind of more infuriating. That again, I get it. it. I get it's it. It's hard to do. <laughs> it's hard to write a, a a game like this where you are doing this with people who feel so passionately about the original and know the storyline so well, um, and make the game for them where you're twisting the narrative. And it's hard to also bring in new players with that. It's just I feel like they could have done it just a little bit better. Just a smidge, but um, that makes those yeah those plot points a lot cooler than for me. Where for me they just felt like, eh, oh, like you thought they were dead. Just kidding. I'm like, all right, well, that just whole moment means nothing now. But it meant a lo- it meant more. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I guess I know why the fan base is so like fervent and like diehard on this game. Where I I, mm-hmm. I came out of it liking the game a lot, but it was something that I sort of looked back on it and said like. I don't understand, and like there's still two games to come, but I don't really understand why everyone obsesses about this game. Yes. It's very good, but I don't know why it's the game everyone talks about. And I guess it took Kyle Stevenson just telling us exactly why this game is so cool to realize, which sort of sucks, but... Yeah, that kind of sucks. It sucks, but I'm also, I'm happy. It's... I, I will say if any of you decide now that you've played this to go back and play the OG, just the Midgar section, the six, eight hours or whatever it is, and then you can see just how remake kind of messes with things a little bit. And you can see like the little 
changes here and there or just how faithful they were in certain parts. Hmm. Yeah. Can we it's kinda cool. can we like move forward to when it, this game gets super super horny? <laughs> like yeah, we're, sure. we're talking which occasion there are go on the, kind of the middle like the, the the third of the way in um there are so many things we're talking walmart i'm talking about walmart i'm talking about talking about <laughs> spit shining orbs like there's a lot of things that get thrown out that i was like all right madam m is something i was like hello there's a Plow looks good in a dress mm. um yeah Retweet. there's a lot happening on walmart <laughs> there was a there was a hand job joke with yes. madam m which yeah. is wild. How did Walmart get hit for for the people who've played the OG? Flora, you've, you did you experience the Walmart in the OG? I did. Yes. Um I I don't have anything substantial to say about it because I played it when I was so young. Um but like um this felt like probably my favorite section of the entire remake. Um just in terms of like the design of the city, the neon lights, the compactness of it all, like the actual activities you get up to. Um, it felt like the area that had the most charisma out of any of the places that you spend significant time with. And, um, it, it landed really, really well for me, I would say. Um, and on the replay, uh, when you actually go through and do all of the side stuff that's available, um, I think it was the area that was also the most worth my time. So, and then the horniness, it was awesome. <laughs> so, you know, no complaints. Yeah. That Tifa dress is something else. <laughs> oh, are we gonna are we gonna out ourselves as to which dresses we we got on our playthroughs here? Of course. Okay, so I got the mature dress. Um, <laughs> I don't remember the, what questions you answered for that, but that felt appropriate. Jacob, I I I, forget, I think I had the black and white one. Whatever dress that was, I think. Oh goodness, there's like, uh, I'll look up the names. Oh, mine's. I did the mature dress. Does that mean I'm horny? <laughs> Some of the questions are like, again, I know adult. this is a podcast, but clip it out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just all clips today, Kyle. I think I did oh, the. There's sporty and exotic. Those are the other two. Oh, I. So oh, I, I think yeah. I did exotic. Yes, I did. I did exotic because so I was like, sure, let's mix it up. Let's get crazy. <laughs> yeah, no. For Tifa, definitely mature. For Aerith, I ended up getting her red, her in- intricate red dress. Because mm-hmm. I don't know about y'all, but I, I ended up doing all the side quests up until like all the chapter 13 side quests, I believe, that open up. Where at that point, I was just like past it. I'm just like, I don't know if I'm going to finish this game on time, but also like, I'm good with side quests. There's nothing in here I need to do. So, intimate red dress, red dress, thumbs up. Yeah. Did yeah. the same. Absolutely. And same thing with the side quests also. Um, Cloud. Uh, uh, yep. the like purple uh, corsety one. I was like, yeah, okay, that yep. definitely feels. Yeah, and looking, I'm looking at the options right now, and that's. I feel like that's definitely the best one. No. Yeah. Oh yeah, like, it's the best one. I don't know. I got the white dress, and I liked it. I felt like it was very dignified for Cloud. <laughs> and there's also like there's a tiara that comes with it that I was absolutely like. Okay, Tiara Cloud, let's go. <laughs> so, yeah, in the OG, you have to do a bunch of these different um, very short side quests to unlock everything for Cloud so that you can get picked by Don Corneo at the end. Um, Tiara had its own one, Dress had its own one, Wig had its own one. Um, 
I feel like uh, Perfume was another one. Um, the honeybee section in the OG is just mm-hmm. literally you just walk into a room, you black out because Cloud has one of those, you know, staticky moments in the OG, and then you just wake up and they give you, I think, makeup or or, or something there. Um, I think the Honeybee Inn is my standout here in Wall Market. I love that so much. Oh yeah. Um, and I I love the rhythm part of it. It was great. It was it was just funny to see Cloud up there just absolutely nailing it with no practice. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like, it was pretty great. <laughs> that soldier for you. They prepare you for everything. I love Don Corneo as much as he Shout was out like to Mark sort of Hamill. a Yakuza what? character. That's Mark like, Hamill. That's Mark Hamill. Stop. What a guy. What? Yeah. Crushed it. Yeah. He nailed it. <laughs> Don Corneo is something. That's another one. I found myself just being like, where am I now? What is happening? What are these characters? This, it, it, that was one of the most like, um, Yakuza y areas where I'm just like, these oh, characters yeah. are so over the top that, and then watching the other characters like react to that, like watching Cloud react to that is hysterical. Um, yeah, Don Corneo is something. Mark Hamill. In the yeah. original game or the remake? Remake. Is it not him? I thought it was him. It says Fred Tadasior. Oh, okay. I but, could be totally wrong. But everyone's saying Mark, if you Google Mark Hamill, Don Corneo, there's a lot of like people that go sounds awfully like Mark Hamill. <laughs> I always just assumed it was him. But it, like the character is very like Mark Hamill esque. Yeah. And the, the twirly mustache just is like, could you not see Mark Hamill just like playing that up when he's talking about his portrayal of Don Corneo when he's at a con? I could. Absolutely. Now I'm curious. Yeah, the internet IMDb. says it basically a lot of people saying, wait, I thought it was Mark oh, Hamill. Okay. Well. <laughs> I'm totally wrong on that one. I always thought it was. Yeah, no, it's Fred uh, Tasca, Tasca Corey or whatever it is. It's all good. He sounds like Mark Hamill. And yeah, those arena fights does. are very fun. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, that Hell House boss fight? Yeah. That's just yep. a normal enemy you can fight whenever you want in OG. It's a random boss account. It's a house. It's a house. Yeah. That shoots fire and dish at you. It, it's yeah. a random boss enc- encounter? Like you. So that's a. That's like you can fight the hell house, the hell house, randomly throughout that whole section. Like wandering around, it's a random encounter that yep. pops up as the house. Oh, but they turned it. Yep, and it's just a normal enemy. It's not a boss or anything. Interesting, but that's a good enemy yeah. that they could be like, oh, we can like blow this up into a whole thing. Like that's a that's a good yeah. choice and for sure. It's a great commentary too, and the way they do it in the remake, where it's like. Yeah, we're going to have all you people who live in the slums fight the one thing you want so badly is an actual, like, house to live in. <laughs> Except to us rich people, we're uh, going to use nothing. a house as an enemy to fight you. Yeah, it's whatever. Right. Like, the opulence yeah. is the point there. Yep. Yep. Huh. I can't wait till you guys get introduced to some of the other wacky enemies. Like, there's a dino- there's a triceratops <laughs> tank <laughs> in the open world section. That's going to be fun. Can we talk about what happened in Sector 7? Sure. You want to talk about what's up with that cat? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Just please. <laughs> t- what's up with the cat? Start there. What is up with that cat? Um, uh, you don't meet the cat until way later in the OG game. Okay. Uh, that cat eventually will become a party member. 
which is all I will say. Okay. Uh, but that was very much out of nowhere. I can't believe they showed that character here. But it makes sense if you know who that character is. Mm-hmm. Uh, they go by the name of Kate Sith. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you're a cat with a crown. Um, and I was like, oh, that's cool. We show him. Mm-hmm. Didn't need to. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I, I imagine people who never played the original game were like, who the hell is this cat? Why is he so important? Why is he there? But yeah. I think I was like shocked that we that Shinra. I'm not shocked, surprised, not surprised that in the end of it, Shinra just decided they were going to take down a whole plate and take down a whole sector. Because like mm-hmm. my thought is usually with like capitalists like that, they're like human labor is how I accomplish things, especially in this world. But if I if I destroy Sector Seven, then my human capital is gone. I just that that calculus of like destroying a whole sector was just like too to potentially take down the enemy just seemed like overkill to me. It just shows like how much, how little they value it. Right. That they're like, eh, we have other sectors. It's fine. It doesn't matter if we take out a whole area. It really reminded me of hunger games, (laughs) even though they technically don't actually take out the sector. But, um, but yeah, I was like hunger games. What? Sector 13 is gone. Well, I also, wow. (laughs) Well, I also think that, uh, oh my God, hold on. <laughs> Got away from you there. <laughs> it did, it did. Oh my God. Well, I also think that one of the points of significance here for me, at least in the way I interpret um, the scale of what they're willing to sacrifice is maybe this is suggesting to us as the player that like the world that we're inhabiting and the scale that we think that we're operating at is much, much smaller yes. than the actual planet or the world that the other parts of the remake are going to give us access to. And so, like, okay, Sector 7, like, that seems like a giant sacrifice right now, and yet that's a blip on a blip on the radar, mm. uh, maybe in the grand scheme of things. That's kind of how I read that. No notes. No notes. I agree. Yeah, same. Like you said, like, that seems like a big deal, but it's like, oh, maybe Shinra is bigger than we think, that the whole aim of, of their goals is bigger than we think, than just... um. Uh, cheap labor and running a company it's like there must be bigger motivations i would assume yeah and maybe that's like one way to charitably read what i was critiquing earlier for this game being really cramped and like linear and how it like forces your perspective in these really really tiny sections of the game uh that you can't really like move freely between maybe that's to like make you feel that this is an all-consuming world and then like that is a rug pull later for the story like that we just haven't seen yet or just to make you feel like um, like the people who live there do like it's very claustrophobic and you're stuck right. and you can't just move about freely like it's it's an ordeal to get from one place to another um, that really um, sets up that environment really well that's that's mm-hmm. a good point actually I really like that and it's always wild like to, to realize how small your world is when you like one even earlier in the game like look up at the plate to say like crazy amount of scale just above me but then also like when the plate comes down uh seeing the sliver of the sky that's like above the plate that just not knowing much about the world i'm like oh i i know there's a world outside of midgar but you sort of get lulled into this false sense of security that every player or every non-playable character like lives in of like they only know midgar and although i know there's a world outside midgar living in that world with the plate above you like you think that there's only midgar yeah, the tiny scenes that are shown of like green grass 
and open skies, I was like, oh, I want to go there, especially like two thirds of the way through this game. and Everything's been very dark and like green gray and oppressive. Yeah, so oppressive. And you're like, oh, my God, I want to go there so bad. And it made me like want to get to the next game. Um, Yeah, it kind of made me tired of the environment that I was in, especially like two thirds, the last two thirds, three quarters of the game when there's a lot of lab, there's a lot of tunnels, there's a lot of sewers. There's a lot of highways. Yeah, and like I'm just kind of over it. Um, Mm -hmm. And also just like the level design is another issue for me. Is like some of the level design feels very 97, like 1997 games where the... um, the ghost train area. I'm like, yeah, oh yeah, I'm going upstairs. There's a room. There's a door on the other side. Then I go down a hallway. There's another room. Like it felt like I could picture that layout in like Final Fantasy One. I. I was like, I this is um, very cookie cutter in a way that was kind of frustrating. And then it showed these this other places with these colors and 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 just it's more open. And I was like. God, I want that so bad. Like I've had, I've kind of had enough of this. It was had it. It was a little bit too much. For every wall market, there's a sewer. <laughs> for every seventh heaven that feels lived in. Uh, for every you know Don Corneo, whatever the heck you want to call it. Um, there's just a generic a NPC. I loved Shinra the the corporate building, but once you got into the labs boring so i almost i'm always like make games shorter and i understand why they're splitting this into three games so that you know they can keep us on the hook and get us three times to buy the thing uh but i sort of wish this game was like 30 percent shorter that's exactly the number i was gonna ballpark to i i think that all of those redundant like traversal sections in particular are the ones that just grate on you mid-game. And there's too many of them. There's too many of them back-to-back. And I don't know that this is probably just a me problem, but the amount of times you have to hit the triangle button in this game is astronomical. (laughs) Um, like, Like, it's a simple button press. It's not demanding much of me, but the amount of... Like, I've never pressed triangle as many times as this game asked me to. Just for like doors and levers and elevators and I don't know what other sort of interactions they conjure. Like slipping cloud between a wall and a little crevice. Like whatever it is, the triangle button is just incessant. And it mm-hmm. it had me questioning my sanity midway through the game. <laughs> and it was so small and so silly. Um, but I don't know. I just I want to like just get rid of all of that fast forward button. I just want this like beautiful cutscene game where there's some really cool battles in between it. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't have the triangle qualm that you did, but I do have oh, the the most forced slow walking in one single game I've ever encountered. I'm like, we're slow walking again. Why am I slow walking at times when it didn't seem meaningful? I'm like, we're not even talking. Like it's it's not even like we need to get through this conversation before I get to this room. I'm just slow walking, and I'm like, why? Uh, yeah, so much. It it definitely feels like they were making ways to be like, yeah, we're only in Midgar, so let's make sure the game is super super long yeah. for an RPG. 
And there's a lot of that traversal stuff that I wish would not be there because yeah, there's a there's too much of it for sure. And then even stuff like I know this began as a PS4 game, but when Cloud, for example, sometimes is shuffling through something or like moving through a fence, I'm just like, oh, is this how they hide load times? Yeah, because there are no load times. Yep. Yep. And I was like, okay, I'm okay with this. Just some weird pacing issues for me too. Of Chapter Eight, I don't know if y'all. Yeah, felt this you had way, an issue with Aerith's where- house, right? Yeah, so like I don't have the OG game to go back on. I'm starting to learn who these characters are. That's the that's the chapter that introduces Aerith and then introduces also like um one of the um you end up fighting the Turks? Yeah, one of the Turks. Um what is that? Rude? Is it the bald yeah, one? Yeah, you fight you fight Rude for the first time. Uh no, not the bald one, the uh, the other one. The uh, redhead, Reno. Reno, you fight Reno for the first time. And that battle's fine, but I just think I had some big pacing issues because the game goes like is full force going like in the like chapter six, chapter seven sort of. And then you fall into this area where you find the flower girl and it just like the pace just slows. And I get that they have to sort of like vary the pacing so you're not at a thousand miles an hour. But there's even stuff like in the house where like don't don't knock over anything because you might wake people up in the house. I don't know that that that's my pet peeve. Yeah. There's a slow walking. Mine is like unnecessarily trying to impede my progress. Where I'm just like, just tell me who Aerith is. Let me sit in her flower garden mm-hmm. and let me googly eyes at each other. That's all I want. <laughs> in the OG game, the bucket moment is uh, you have to walk out of the room. And if you sprint, then Aerith will wake up and tell you to go back to bed and you restart. So this it's all one, fan like, yeah, here's a, yeah, here, here's a bunch of buckets to run back <laughs> over. It's, it's fine. So you're saying we take issue with the fan service and someone who's you know listening to this and they're a big OG fan, they're going to be yelling and being like, Kyle's the only one who's right. No, it's fine. That's bad. <laughs> I didn't like that either. So thank you. And then the, like, the motorcycle battles I found were like not fun to play. Like I don't want to slash just a little too motorcycles long. next to me. Yeah. They're fine. Yeah. I think they were just too long. I was like, we've been doing this for like a good, like, I don't know, eight, nine minutes. I'm like, this could have been shortened a little bit. A lot of things about it could have been shortened. But I also yeah. didn't mind the motorcycle battles. I don't know. It was, which it was a variation at least, right? Yeah. Which yeah. one? The chapter 17 one almost killed me. <laughs> that one I love. Yeah. I don't mind okay. that one. Actually, I, I like that one better than the first one. Because that was something that is in the original. The Roche one, that is definitely just padding to be padding because Roche is not in the OG game. Oh, no, all. really? See, there's yeah. enough characters, <laughs> and now we're adding more? Like, I yeah. have enough. Oh, uh-huh. no. And also, he wasn't that and great. He, he's, he was fine. No, he's yeah. he's my least favorite in <laughs> no, the remake. Just exists. I, forgettable. Just a biker dude. Yeah. That's it. Okay. Do you feel like you're the only person in your circle who wants to go deep about video games regularly? We were like that too. Until now. Welcome to Crossplay Conversations, the brand new bi-weekly topical video game podcast from Luke Lewis, Joseph Hooper, and Jacob McCord. With many years of breaking it down separately on shows like the Left Behind Game Club, Player Player Podcast, and Lukewarm Games, the gang is finally coming together to publish their gaming group chat in audio form every other week. Expect roundtable reviews of the latest games, profiles of upcoming indies, and insightful conversations about essential topics in the video game industry. All with a mostly positive, insightful, and fun style. Help us out by subscribing on your podcast platform of choice to get the first episodes delivered straight to your feed. And follow us on Twitter at CrossplayConvos for updates about the show. Cheers, Cheers and, and happy, happy gaming. gaming.
Do you find yourself playing older games and wishing that there were new discussions about those games? Enter Tales from the Backlog. Hi, I'm Dave Jackson, and on each episode, I'm joined by a guest to break down those games that may be stuck in your ever-expanding backlog. Each episode looks at one game in depth, focusing on mechanics, story, music, and other aspects with no spoilers until a clearly marked spoiler wall in the middle. If you've played the game, go ahead and climb that spoiler wall and enjoy in-depth story discussions, and if not, jump out when we warn you and maybe go play that game for yourself. We have over 100 episodes in the feed, everything from Disco Elysium to Tunic to discussion episodes about how to get into horror games, and if games actually need to be fun, or if they have more to offer. I guarantee that there's something in there for everybody. Once again, that's Tales from the Backlog, available wherever your podcasts are found. There's one character that we we haven't talked about at all yet, and we've talked a lot about like how writing sometimes is like very anime-ish. I think there's one character that is clearly more mature and is almost the voice of reason, and it's Red Thirteen, and I love Red Thirteen. Yeah, I love Red Thirteen so That's much. That's my boy. Yeah, I can't wait for you all to meet his uh, grandfather <gasps> in the game. Oh my god, Red Thirteen's <laughs> grandfather yeah. is going to be amazing. Oh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. I, Probably not what you're picturing either. Ooh, I'll just say that. Even better. Yeah. Red, Red is awesome because Red is, you know, he is the voice of reason. He's the elder of the group. And um, I like his introduction here. Uh, as a fan of the series, I'm bummed we didn't get to control him <gasps> in this one. Uh, next game, we will. Thank goodness. Um, but yeah, Red's easily one of my favorite characters. And I'm glad that he got the love that he deserves in this one. Mm-hmm. Why do you think that we didn't get to control him in this game? That was something that I couldn't really like pick apart uh, in this remake. I think it was just too late in the remake story to throw a new character into the mix. Hmm. I think that might be the only reason because we do get him so late. Yeah. Okay. And if it was a little bit out, like if we got to play more into right after Midgar, maybe we could have maybe controlled him for a little bit. Like, he does take part in some battles, but it's it not controllable at all. I feel like it's probably but. a lot of dev time that they're like, is it worth yeah. it to have yeah. it in okay. this game, or can that be pushed yeah. to the next one? And it, it can, realistically. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was like, oh my god, I get a panther-looking buddy who basically looks like Scar <laughs> from The Lion King, but, yeah. like, yeah. good. I was like, oh my god, it's Scar. It's, like, the same, like fur tone and a scar over one eye and like yeah except except he's wonderful um long live the king long live the king <laughs> kyle i just noticed your shirt um is final fantasy 7 characters for the audio listener hey. it's like the brady bunch but final fantasy 7 yeah it's the og this is your party this is everyone that you can play as spoilers for later i'm glad the audio listeners can't see it yeah um Aerith is Citra? Citra, yep. Cetra. She's an ancient. She's an ancient. Mm-hmm. So she's also powerful being? I mean, <laughs> most likely, I would assume. I mean, as soon as you see her, you're like, oh, she has Mako eyes. But like, from all presentation, from everything that you've you've gathered from her, you're Katie, like, she's not I a soldier. You? Yeah, you're like, is she a soldier? I'm like, why would she be a soldier? That makes no sense. I'm like, but yes, she has Mako eyes. Which is uh, also nobody's made remarked upon the fact that she has Mako eyes. Like it's right there, and no character has been like, "Hmm, that seems weird." Like I feel like character yeah. awareness is lacking. 
Like, nobody is, like, on top of anything. Like, everyone's just kind of, like, piling forward and, like, yeah, Shinra. And it's like, look around. Like, how did you not notice this? Aerith being a Cetra or an Ancient, um, she's in tune with the live stream, which is what the, the Mako is. Mm-hmm. And in a way, similar to the Whispers, the reason why she knows everything, pretty much, is because the live stream also knows that Sephiroth is not supposed to be here. And is telling her because of her ancient bloodline and because she's a Cetra in part and the last living one that uh, kind of nudge her to make sure that everyone else knows that this Sephiroth dude is not the one that's supposed to be here right now. Something's off and kind of unlocks all that for her, and which is why at the end she's like the one we have to defeat destiny. Mm-hmm. So we have to do this in order to save the planet kind of thing. Um. Yeah, without going into other major spoilers, I think that's as much as I can get into with her. But it is it is also very convenient how they're like, yeah, no, she also just knows everything. And it, that's not also very, it's not explained all that well either. Mm-hmm. And she doesn't. There's a lot that happens either. in the last two hours. Yeah, yeah no. Yeah. Well, then, it, it like- was when she like unlocks Red 13's ability to speak mm-hmm. is when I'm like, why'd she, how'd she do oh, that? Oh, I missed that entirely. That's just. Yeah. So, like, Red is very feral, mm-hmm. and and it looks like he's going after Hojo in that hallway, yep. and um, he's growling, and Aerith very calmly goes up and kind of touches him, and it seems like she unlocks his ability to speak or calm him, or, and I think Red, in that same cutscene or the next one after, basically explains that through that touch, he learned of the planet and everything because of the ancient powers again mm. it's final fantasy story it's crazy <laughs> kyle you keep doing this you, you sorry you blow no no that's good this would be such I'm a also doing a really bad job of explaining it no you're Doesn't giving us like exactly okay. what we need when we need okay. it. okay okay Aerith yeah. is also incredibly important to the story incredibly important and that's all i'll say is Hojo important to the story? Because he just seems like the underboss that we're just like, you know, going to kill. I'm surprised he even survived to this point. Hojo's the mad scientist that is doing things against or out. He, he's like the um, doing things outside of the classified mm. materials. Like he's outside of whatever the program he's a part of. Mm. He's doing crazy test experiments. And I'm so happy that they... Uh, fix this in the remake, but the reason why Aerith and Red are locked up in the original, and this is this is just effed up. Hoja wanted Red to mate with Aerith to make sure that they still had ancient blood to continue their experiments. They allude to that, yeah. In, the, in this game, they though, allude don't they? to it yeah. a little bit, but it, like straight up, they're in the same cage and. And Hojo's like, yeah, no, that's why we want her here to make sure they can produce a child, so we can continue experiments. And I'm like, oh god, it's messed I feel up. like there's Hojo's Hojo's one of the main villains, by the way. Okay. In this whole story, okay. he's he's a messed up. Human. I feel like there's a lot of weird things from the first one that they kind of cleaned up a little bit, and where they're just like, oh, that was um, 
not that it has to be like tasteful, but like stuff that they're like, oh, maybe that just wasn't, maybe we did shift that in a way that's less um, aiming for shock value, I guess. And like, I don't know, it just modernized things in a way. Like I've heard obviously that um, with the honey, the honey, in, honey bee thank in. You, the honey bee in is like just modernized. Whereas now it's like, now they're doing like a fantastically choreographed dance move that's like entertaining and it's like oh this is worth investing in as opposed to being like haha um gender and gay jokes basically um is from what i've what i've gathered uh, that, from the that's original. a lot of what walmart walmart section had and it was not yeah. the best Whereas now it, it feels like it. celebratory yeah. instead of like a shameful thing and i really liked that i like that it was like no this is like this is good. It's like, oh, if this like area, it's like free and everyone's, um, I don't know, just like kind of like being who they who they are. It was it it was nice. It was refreshing. I liked it a lot. Even the teacher of children, like she she works at the Honey Bee Inn in her spare time. Just like oh don't tell God. the kids. Yeah. Don't tell the kids. <laughs> Did you run into her at yeah. the Honey Bee Inn? Yeah. Yeah. She's just in an alleyway smoking and refuses to look at yeah. you. Yeah. It's <laughs> great. Don't tell the kids. We don't know what Genova is, right? I mean, I do. <laughs> you do. But like, we aren't. It's just like we know that this is some sort of some sort of being that is of importance. We don't know what it is yet. Correct. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. See, this is why I feel like my original introduction, my fast pitch, was this is the longest prologue I've ever played because I really feel <laughs> like it just it sets up everything. And then it's like, okay, next time though, we're gonna we're going, and like ah, it that it was a problem for me because I feel like there just wasn't enough. I feel like they're jamming too many things in without being focused. Like I feel like a lot of the time there was a lack of focus, and like what's important? What are the people I care about? Like once we got to the lab, and there's um the villain, the mad scientist villain. I was like, okay, this is, Hojo. this is a clear storyline that I, that, that I can mm-hmm. focus on and, and wrap my head around as opposed to like, there's this villain and this villain and this henchman and this other henchman. And I'm like, I don't give me a reason to care basically. And so, yeah, that was like a lot more grounded, I guess. So I'm hoping that going forward, it feels more focused now that we've introduced all these characters, we can like dive in a bit better um, this felt very surfacey. Um so yeah, I struggled a little bit with the plot. Like I struggled with a lot of things to this game, to be honest. To be fair, like I yeah. didn't enjoy a lot of the gameplay and I felt a hard time grasping onto some of the plot. But I like the characters, I like the world. Like I think the world is really interesting. Um and I wanna know more. It just didn't quite give me enough. And I don't know, maybe that's a common thing with new players, or maybe I'm an outsider and other people are like, no, I played it for the first time ever and it was amazing. I don't know, but I, mm-hmm. I struggled a little bit. On, on that on that Genova note, though, that it, what we got in Remake is pretty much what we got in the OG game, mm. up to the point where it ends. We don't know a whole lot about Genova. But then you didn't have to wait point. like four years for the next game. Agreed. <laughs> and yeah. and uh, the the awesome thing that I do want to say is the rebirth demo will answer all these questions mm. for you. <laughs> and it's only an hour long. You're really pushing that demo. I'm really pushing I it. I should give it a try. I, you should. Does your progress Especially carry Especially because everything like is so fresh. Uh, you will get like an additional item or summon, I think, if you have saved data. 
Okay. I think. But, yeah. but then will you have to then redo that chapter? No, I, I think you can skip it. Oh, nice. Oh, In weird. the main game, okay. I think. Crazy. Yeah. Crazy. The, but, but to Katie's point, like, even when we talk about the end and we sort of make our way there, like, yep. the whole thing... Again, we don't have the context from before, so we're thinking that we're trying to take down Shinra. We meet the mayor. He lets us up to another floor. We beat a combat simulator. We get up to, you know, Hojo's lab. We get through Hojo's lab. Then we get to the president's office, and then, oops, the president's there, and he finds his golden gun, and guess what? Shunk! He's, like, shanked <laughs> by Sephiroth, sort of rendering the whole, like, move up through Shinra's corporate headquarters useless because Sephiroth is just the badass that's going to kill everybody. I, I just, I, I don't know. Am I expecting too much from a final fantasy game? I think maybe I am. It just seems futile to have done all that stuff. And then just Sephiroth is going to kill the president and I don't even get to do it. It's hard when they're separate games, right? Yeah. 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 That's the hard part. I think that for me, I, I don't think Jacob, you're expecting too much. Um, for some reason, I was able to ride off of this game's reputation and just sort of trust this game that it was going somewhere that like would deliver on the promise of like all the hype. And um, even though I haven't finished the original Final Fantasy VII, um, that sort of like blind faith that I brought with me was enough to just be like, okay, trust the process and it will pay off eventually. But like, I do think that if I didn't have to wait four years... Um, I wouldn't feel any degree of frustration with like the where is this going question yeah, absolutely. because then if I really wanted to, I could just keep going like a Netflix show. And so um, I I don't know if they ended this game in the right place, but like the note they end on feels very just like tone shifty to me. Like, OK, so we were doing nostalgia core for this whole 35 hours and now we're like, we're just going to flip a couple things around. And now this is going to be something like actually genuinely new. Um, so even people who wanted Nostalgia Core are going to be surprised next time. And like, I'm fine with that. Um, but I, I think some part of me just assuming it was one to one for a while, this remake, and not really like noticing those differences. Um, I don't think that was really a concern that I brought with me towards the end of the game. I mean, remakes in the title, so I think your, like, assumption at the start is fair. I I think that, like, the whispers should have given it away, right? Like, I, I didn't mm. I didn't think too, too critically about that, and I was like, ah, what? This feels a little different, but then I didn't think more about it, and then it was about, mm -hmm. I forget how far, but it was after Wall Market where I really, like, clicked and realized there, there were some differences going on. Yeah. Not just a remake, just a game, but a remake of the whole story. Yeah. Which is wild. Yeah. That's... It is that's wild. The audacity. <laughs> it's wild. It's really impressive <laughs> that they're like, you know what? Let's yeah. remake this game that so many people, it's it's beloved by this huge fan base. and they're, But they're like, no, no, we can bring it back. And they would have been satisfied with a prettied up, modernized remake. A one-to-one. -one. Like, yeah. like more of a... Not that uh, RE4 obviously had some tweaks involved and it was changed, but not like change changed, right? Like it's not a different story. But to come back and say, hey, we're going to bring back this game that everyone loves so much and we are going to twist the story in a new interesting way. I just admire the the guts in doing that and, and making it even more impressive that like, no, we're going to build on the last game. 
we're not just gonna you know remake it and push it out and everyone's gonna buy it and love it no we're gonna build on this thing that we made so many years ago and um uh, you know arguably make it better uh I don't know that, you know, this game is necessarily better, but as a, um, the Final Fantasy VII story, like when you look it up and you read through it and it's like, no, no, it's better because we're building on it and we're adding timelines and different stories and, um, it's just cool. Like, no, what, what else has done this? Nothing. Nothing else has done this. Uh, the MCU. That doesn't count. Don't bring the MCU (laughs) into this. That's so cheap. (laughs) My God. That's that's me. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna take it in a bit of a different direction here, and I'm gonna bring a question in from Alias X from the Discord. They ask, "How's the music? What are some standout tracks?" Kyle, you talked about the Sephiroth theme, uh, but that main theme is just Chef's Kiss. My God, my God! And when it's even played in the overworld, like I had heard some people are like, "Why are we playing it so early?" But they play it early because it's so so good. It's iconic. Uh, I will stand on this hill, this mountain, this podium, whatever uh, high ground that it is, and say that this Final Fantasy VII soundtrack, OG, and this remake is the best video game music ever made. Whoa. It, 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 it is. I listen to it at work. I listen to it when I'm, you know, working out. It is everything to me. And this remake version took the old tracks and mixed them together with like. Each phase of a boss has a different version of the boss theme. Mm-hmm. And it all goes together with the action. It just feels additive instead of a separate thing. Like it all s- works together to make beautiful moments. And they make the sad part sad. They make the hype moments more hype. It's just, it's perfect. And and I'm excited to hear future tracks and i know i think they said like 700 tracks or whatever for the new one 400 or (laughs) something crazy yeah it's nuts it's great music i mean this track list is so long i pulled it up today um and flipped through it and was like flipping and flipping and flipping and flipping because it just keeps going um there's so i love how the um the variants you get like you get these big like orchestral pieces and then you'll get like some like techno metal kind of grungy stuff that's mixed in and the way it flows like in and out of that is just a lot of fun like it's fun to listen to the hype pieces are really great um as soon as i heard because i had never really listened to this before because i had no emotional attachment to it as soon as I was fighting Sephiroth and I heard that, like, Sephiroth in the background, I was like, oh, I need to listen to this again. <laughs> like, right now. Like, I need to listen to it right now. So I pulled it up immediately. Um, yeah, there's that. There's, um, I don't know, like, Just Desserts is, like, this cool, like I said, like a techno metal thing. Um, it's just fun. It's, like, big and eventful and, like, um, like I said, orchestral, but it's also fun at the same time. Yeah. It's a great soundtrack. Yeah, sort of non-answer for me in the sense of like, there's too many things to appreciate here. Mm-hmm. But like one aspect of the soundtrack I really enjoyed is the character leitmotifs where um, each character has their own theme and they will play at various like points throughout the story when it wants to hit emotional beats or reprise themes from earlier in the game. 
And um, I find the use of those character light motifs to be really, really beautiful and um, and really effective in actually tugging on my heartstrings at key moments in the story. Um, I think I'm for some reason, I also think that like the intro song, like we, we talked about the visuals in the cutscene at the very beginning of the game, but the music at the beginning is phenomenal and really sells that cutscene. Um, and then I kind of like a pocket favorite of mine is the uh, music that plays when you first get to Aerith's house, Jacob's favorite chapter. Um, and I, maybe it's because I spent a little bit of time there. I just, I'm a big fan of gardens, uh, but it just, it felt very comforting. And I ended up leaving that looping for a while while I did some writing when I first played this game. And, uh, that, that's a track that I'll actually go back to from time to time. So. I just want to quickly touch on the fact that, um, and I think you'll appreciate this, Kyle, above everyone else. Um, Kenny Omega is my favorite wrestler. Um, Kenny Omega's finishing move is called the One Winged Angel. Um, <laughs> nice. It, because he is such a fan of Final Fantasy VII. Like, this is a man who is from Winnipeg. He's Canadian. He essentially taught himself Japanese, became a top wrestler in Japan, um, to the point where his finisher is the One Winged Angel. It has, like, the actual finisher is not. I mean, he puts someone in an electric chair and then, like, brings them down in a powerbomb. That's kind of cool. He's come out as Sephiroth once during an entrance. And that's what I was going to bring up, that at Wrestle Kingdom two years ago, he got Square Enix's permission to literally come out uh, and had, like, uh, at one point, he, like, throws his arm out and, like, there's a giant screen that's maybe, like, 150 feet wide. One wing comes out with him and he's dressed up like Sephiroth and it, it, like, came out to the Sephiroth theme and it was so damn cool <laughs> and I need to watch it again now that I, like, understand how cool Sephiroth is, especially because I think the last battle, and what I'm about to say is a little flippant and someone might disagree, but I think the Sephiroth battle in this in this game is one of the best final Whoa. bosses that I've played in recent memory. What? Yeah, it's so good because like... The music's incredible. Is everyone done with the music? music the music adds to that a whole lot. The music is, yeah, the music does it, but like the fight itself, I don't know that I found it that meaningful to be honest. Well, I think the fight itself was fine, but I think it's what happened throughout. Of I couldn't believe I'm like, wait, I'm fighting Sephiroth now. He's, he, I think he's the big bad. Why, why am I fighting him here now? And then you start to fight him, and he's just so much stronger than you are. You hit him, and you only take off a sliver of his health. I died a couple of times until I figured out maybe like I just need to run away from him because if he comes at me, he's gonna do thousands of you know points of damage at a time. So I just need to run around, use my Blizzard. And slowly chip away. And then through the power of friendship, uh, that's how you end up beating Sephiroth. And I just thought that that was such a, like, a sure, it's cliche. And I think I've actually made fun of the power of friendship in other episodes. I'm sorry that this made me go against what I've said before, but it just was so damn cool. It was so damn cool. Not the mechanics, what you actually did in the fight. I'm a child. I I'm a 13-year-old child. I'm happy for you. I'm so happy for you. Mm. You're not? Are you mad because the whispers weren't fun? No, to I'm not that? mad. I just, I'm happy for you. I did not feel, I didn't get the same thing that you did, but I'm happy that you appreciated that fight. And then Aerith came to help, and then Tifa came to help. Barrett was shooting things, and Red 13 was over there, and then you did it. Yeah. Until next time. <laughs> I don't yeah, think we did, now. actually. It doesn't feel like we did. It feels <laughs> like uh, it's like the first step out of a thousand steps, but... Yeah. On the next episode of Final yeah. Fantasy VII. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Are we excited to play Rebirth? <laughs> yeah. 
No one else Very is going to so. talk about the final battle, just me? I, d- I agree with everything you said. It's one of the best final battles that in in I, I think recent memory for me. Um, Flora disagrees. I have one foot in both camps of the opinion shared here, where, like, on, on like one level of my agreement is the disbelief of, oh, wait, are we actually final bossing this? Oh, wait, Sephiroth is now? Question mark, question mark, question mark. Um, but then also the fight being just completely like just forgettable for me almost like in terms of the actual mechanics. Um, again, the audio visual components, phenomenal. Um, the placement within this story and like the stakes that context is framed and like all that good stuff. Yay. But, um, the, the moment to moment mechanics of the battle are just like nothing for me. Also, I was scared of him. He was menacing. Yeah. I guess. I just, because you, you automatically know that it's not the final battle with Sephiroth. So it kind of like, mm. it diminishes it. it. I'm not like, oh my God, we're fighting. I'm like, oh, this is the first of, I don't know. I will, we will fight him again. So mm. I didn't, I wasn't like, oh my God, we're fighting Sephiroth. It was like, all right, mm-hmm. this is like the prequel fight. Mm-hmm. You know? I For me, I was totally surprised because that's not a fight that happens at that mm. moment. That was just like, oh my god, now is when we're going toe-to-toe with him? I feel completely inadequate with what Jacob was saying. It's how he's the best soldier to ever be a soldier, ever. He's like the Taylor Swift of the soldier (laughs) world. Everyone loves him. (laughs) Topical. Yeah, he's just like, he has fan clubs of him. (laughs) Like That's how popular he is, and because of his exploits and his adventures and knowing that he is not the Sephiroth that we're supposed to be fighting, but one that's already beefed up. It was a kind of an epic fight with that kind of knowledge of it. But does it do anything special? No. But just the pomp and circumstance of it all, I think, bumps it up. Having no history with Sephiroth and also them not really introducing him properly. I'm like, all right, we're fighting this dude. This He's a badass. We're fighting him. But I'm like, okay. I don't know. It didn't land for me. Okay, I, I have a question from the community that sort of gets from this. So this is from Silcanid on, on Twitter. Uh, the question is, it's clear at the end of the game that Remake did not refer to a classic graphical or systems remake, but a full story one. Do you think it was on purpose to confuse fans, newcomers, and generate more hype? Or just poor planning, naming scheme, and they just rode with it? This is yeah. this is masterful planning. Yeah. This is only planning. I, I, I think. I think it's named Remake because everyone goes, oh, great. Final Fantasy VII Remake, and that makes them excited, and it has the double element of it not being a one-to-one remake, but also, like, marketing-wise, we're remaking Final Fantasy VII, this is what it is, uh, come buy it, and then, yeah, and then once you are playing it and you've played the OG, you're like, oh my god, it's not a remake, and you're excited. So I think it does both. I think it's, I think it's great. But for us, it took Kyle Stevenson explaining that for us to like. Fully I be knew bonded. that it wasn't though. Like I had heard from everyone that it's it changes things and it's different. It's a different timeline and and it they they do a twist on it. So I wasn't in day one not knowing. So I don't. I can't really give you my like frame of reference for that. But I I think it's just a great name. Like it's a great so way Kenneth to present said, that game to the population. So Ken had said to clarify, it made me feel like Square was pulling a fast one on me. I'm not mad and I'm here for the until the end. Mm. It just felt under Yeah, I think the question here assumes two negative 
potential motivations um, and maybe not a charitable one. And so it's either they were trying to like rip consumers off or they didn't know what they were doing. And I, I feel like I I don't feel ripped off as a player. Like I, I think there there is a little bit of like frustration with having to wait between the installments and having to pay full price each time. No doubt about that. But um, to say that the alternate explanation is that this was like some weird like fumble from the people who were making this uh i i didn't experience that in my time with final fantasy 7 remake yeah I, I i think this was the plan all along i love that plan i think it's it it can be what silkana is referring to and it is in both camps where like it's a remake for newcomers like y- you all here and it's a remake for the og fans and we're both experiencing it and different ways where I'm first time playing through. I was like, yeah, okay, let me see what the story beats going to look like in modern setting. And then it turns out like, Oh no, they're adding new things here. I was like, Oh, that's kind of cool for everyone else. It's like, let me experience these characters and learn about them for the first time in uh, a 20 something plus year game being brought up. And I'm finally playing it after hearing about it forever. It can exist in both camps. Mm -hmm. So I, I definitely don't think it was underhanded or anything at all uh maybe we were wrong though i just want to do a quick check in on the reviews for this one uh this one had an 88 on open critic uh and some things that i want to share from reviewers uh Timur hussein on GameSpot gave it a 10 out of 10 and said square enix tells a smaller more personal final fantasy 7 tale and marries it with a smart mashup of action and rpg gameplay to deliver a must-play experience game informer gave it an 8.8 joe juba said final fantasy 7 remake finds a satisfying balance between innovation and tradition delivering flashy battles and fun systems mixed with nods for old school fans tom marks on ign gave it an 8 and said final fantasy 7 remakes dull filler and convoluted additions can cause it to stumble but it still breathed exciting new life into a classic while standing as a great RPG on its own. Uh, any areas where we need to cover and talk about things before we close our episode about Final Fantasy VII Remake? I would just like to ask you all about who yes. you think that character at the end is. That has oh. a similar sword to Cloud. Oh, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. Zach. Zach. Who the hell yeah. is Zach? Yeah. I was like, hmm, you I don't know. You played Crisis Core, help. Uh, I did. So I first I will say didn't love Crisis Core. Okay. Didn't love it at all. It it added PSP game originally that they remade for yes, modern systems. Yeah, if you if you didn't like the battle system here, you would hate, it. <laughs> hate Crisis Core. Uh cuz they have a a roulette wheel that randomly spins that will unlock like your big limit breaks or whatever. Oh. And it's fully randomized and it's awful. I hate it so much. Um, and the story is like if if you thought this was too anime, they are all nothing but like they know they're in a K-pop drama and they're acting like it. It's ridiculous. Uh, but it is good to know a little bit more about Zach because I never played it before uh, a few weeks ago and you will learn about Zach, and Zach is integral to who Cloud is. Um, but it's weird seeing him in that moment because you're not supposed to. And that's another little hint of like the timelines are changing. And is this a multiverse? Is that is that Zach from a completely different world? Is it our Zach? They hint that it's a different one because of the chip bag that goes through with the the. What do they call it? Stamp? Stomp? 
the little dog, the Shinra uh, mascot. Oh, yeah. That yeah. they would leave in the sewers to be yeah, like stamp. This, stamp. Um, they got rid of that uh, at some point. I think they explained a remake, but in that scene, you get a chip bag with it still on it, alluding to that this is a different timeline than the Shinra we know now. Uh, I'm very excited to where they take his story because it's Cloud and him are tied like very close to each other. So it's shorter than it's like a 15 hour game if you don't play it the can be. Quests. You can totally watch the cutscenes <laughs> or just read it. It's fine. It was relatively inexpensive. I had and did you play it on PS5 or did you play it on Switch? Because it's P- also on PS5. Switch. PS5. Okay. Yeah. I just wonder what the Switch version is like. But so you're saying like just watch the cutscenes? Yeah. There there are other characters that have popped up in recent Rebirth trailers mm-hmm. that are from Crisis Core. Um, it does feel a little bit like too much homework, mm. but it's fine. I, just reading up on Zach, I think, is more important than anything. Okay. Speaking of just watching the cutscenes, I'm undecided. Mm-hmm. If I'm going to continue my Final Fantasy VII journey, I don't know. Oh, I no. don't Katie. know. Katie. Okay, I don't. You're committed. Just the last <sighs> quarter of this game, I was so annoyed by so many things, and I, I, I didn't really enjoy my time, to be perfectly honest. Um, and I wanted to, and I was just, I was just annoyed. So I don't know, and I didn't love Final Fantasy sixty. 16 either like I like parts of it there are parts of it that I really liked and parts but also there are things that I just didn't enjoy spending my time with so I'm undecided Mm. if everyone's like oh my god it's amazing it's even better it's better than the first one uh you know you have to play it maybe I will but I I don't know that I'm gonna play another modern Final Fantasy game or not I'm undecided right now and I feel bad but I want to know what happens so like, but I feel so cheap just for, watching for the scenes. fourth or fifth time. There's a pretty <laughs> cool demo that's available right now. There is. <laughs> you know what? Maybe I'll do that. I will do that. I will play the demo. Yeah. At, and I'll see how I feel. Because they do add new combat things. Okay. Combat is is reworked a little bit. It's not the fastest thing. That's in the okay. World. I don't need combat to, fa- to be fast. But, I like I like yeah. like turn based like slow, thoughtful combat. That's fine. Sure. Yeah. yeah so yeah. I don't know. Yeah. And and I, I'd be interesting to hear everyone's thoughts of like your questions of who Sephiroth is after mm. you play the demo. <laughs> not me looking at buying Crisis Core on. Right now. <laughs> you don't own it on don't three it. platforms already. No, that's shocking. I don't. I, it was on sale actually, like over the break, and I should have gotten it, and now I regret it. But it's only thirty nine Canadian. Just buy a PSP and then the PSP version of the game and play it that way. Oh no, right, I have a PSP. It's no, over you there. do. Uh-huh. Yeah. No, <laughs> Fulfill your Jacob obligation. I can't. I think I can't. you can actually. <laughs> uh, oh, okay. also, just another really quick thing about the ending that. Um, that flashback thing that Red sees, mm-hmm. like there, it, it blips current scenes or whatever. The scene of the other dog-like creatures that look like yes. Red running through the canyon, that is a scene straight from Advent Children. Oh. <laughs> that is legit straight from Advent Children, shot for shot. Like, So there, that's another little hint that this is the Sephiroth from that timeline. 
and it's like necessary to the story going forward, which then leads into why it's back in theaters. Oh. Be like, hey, yeah, no, it's kind of you should probably watch it. It's not, not great. It's, it's bad. You hated it, but you should probably watch it. Um, yeah. Tifa in a cowboy hat, though. I'm like, that's really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. The one time Sorry. I can't sign off on something. Before Tifa. Like it? The one time. <laughs> no. It's so weird, though, that I like it. I mean, it. it's, it's so Tifa, weird. so I'm not complaining. It's just like of the possibilities <laughs> we've been gifted by the creators. I suppose. Cowboy hat is at the bottom of the it's list. It's not the move not the that move. you yeah. would have done. Yeah. Any final thoughts about Final Fantasy VII Remake? Excellent. No notes. Uh, Kyle Stevenson, thank you so much yes. for coming on this two-part series. We very, very much appreciate you for this. Thanks for having me. I, I, I always have a great time. I hope to be back for Rebirth one day. Or just in general. Yeah. I mean, listen, this show would yeah. have been so different without Oh my you, god, I'm so, so glad you're here. Like, I'm so happy you're here. <laughs> And for the hardcore FF7 fans, I'm sorry if I got anything wrong. Imagine oh. the timeline splitting and we would have had I know. a non-Kyle Stevenson I legit, episode. So, I said with so much confidence that Mark Hamill was the voice of Don Corneo. <laughs> They'll get mad at you for it's, one thing. It sounds yeah. like get half the, the gaming yeah, population agreed with you, so it's okay. Fair. That's totally fair. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Kyle, where can we be found on the internet? Tell us about 6-1. Tell us about uh, the trophy room. Tell us about your Twitter presence. Sure. Uh, Mr. Kset pretty much everywhere uh-huh. on social media. I try to be as positive as can be and be as real as hey, I can be. you do it. You do that. I do. I Thank you. I, I like to think so. I try not to get swept up in all the craziness that is social media these days. Hey, how about Xbox, um, right? <laughs> hey, how about it? <laughs> Business as usual. Uh-huh. Everyone calm down. <laughs> um, also, if I know any of my friends and people that I know, if I see you in a Twitter space... I'm disowning you. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> Easy, I can't take those. I can't take those people seriously. Um, Tim Dog is crying. You're welcome. It's fine. He'll be back. <laughs> He'll be okay. Uh, Trophy Room is a weekly PlayStation uh, podcast that I do with uh, Mr. Badbit. We live stream it on YouTube every single Wednesday night uh, at 8 p.m. Eastern. Um, weekly uh, or Thursday on podcast services everywhere. I love PlayStation so much. It's the system i've owned all my life and uh i just love it i love talking about it i'm happy to have that kind of platform and then 61 indie where we uplift indie games and their developers people who make them um march 20th we're doing our fourth showcase i think uh where we have oh i almost said the number of games i don't think that's announced yet. uh a handful of games uh to show off um and, and it's like a mini e3 kind of show and it's going to be fun a lot of really great games so check that out on our youtube that is at six one indie and uh just play more games and tell other people how much you appreciate and love them that's it uh i will give a plus one to the showcase i think you guys do something that i can't believe uh, a crew of your size pulls off um i'm happy to say i was a producer for the last one um it is it is one of the best showcases out there. So March 20th, Thank you. please find it. Um, that'll be, keep me honest here, 61indie.com slash showcase when it comes out. Correct. And and it will be live streamed on our YouTube channel and I'm pretty sure also on Twitch as well. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, Kyle, thank you. Thank you. 
you can find all things Left Behind Game Club uh, at a couple places. Left Behind uh, Club on Twitter. We're not calling it X. Left Behind Game Club on Instagram. And if you've made it this far through a two-part series and you've not given us a review, what are you doing? Uh, five stars on Spotify. Five stars on Apple Podcasts. Pocketcast is getting into the review game soon, so five stars there too. Um, we very much appreciate it. Um, you can find me on all places at Jacob McCourt, J-A-C-O-B-M-C-C-O-U-R-T. I'm on Twitter. I'm on TikTok. Woo! Um, and we're going to be at PAX East. Uh, so by the time this comes out, comes out, PAX East is in like in three weeks. So uh, I have a panel there. Um, it's about the Nintendo DS. So if you enjoy that sort of thing, you can find us on Sunday at 1230 in the Albatross Theater or on, if you can't make it to PAX, we'll be on PAX uh, 2 at Twitter, uh, twitch.tv slash PAX 2. Um, but all four of us are going to be there. So like, Come and find us and t- tell us we were wrong about Final Fantasy VII. I dare you. I dare you. Say it to my face. Say it to my face, but you got to hug us first. Uh, Katie, uh, where can you be found on the internet? I'm scared now. I'm the one who trash-talked it. It's a passionate <laughs> fan base. Um, if anything's going to get me canceled from this pod, it's this. Um, I'm on Twitter and X. Uh, Twitter and X, God. Twitter and threads. Too many things. Mostly on Twitter. Uh, I'm Les Brack, L-E-S-P-E-R-A-K. That is all. Laura. Uh, you can find me at epiloggaming.com for my written articles, and you can find me in the Left Behind Game Club Discord. Ooh, where can you find that? Flora. Uh, <laughs> I'm left pretty be- sure it's just leftbehindgame.club, and then there's a big Discord button. Do we have a URL that's equally easy? Yeah, well, you can do that, which is the way Momotati always <laughs> promoted it, but you can also go to leftbehindgame.club slash Discord, and that's another place you can find it. That's so convenient. Isn't it? <laughs> URLs, huh? Well, that's the Great. end of the show. Um, so I guess uh, shout out Mike Ruffalo. Only death awaits you all. Bye. Bye. <laughs>